Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Shadows. I'm author and ghost story and I'm Mike Ricksecker. Today we're going to be diving into ancient Egypt, shadows, portals, and the path to the afterlife. Uh, it's a topic that we do get into uh, from time to time on our various shows, whether it's Beyond the Shadows or Edge of the Rabbit Hole, maybe on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel, certainly in the book, A Walk in the Shadows, and also uh, what's coming up now in the Shadow Dimension docu-series. So it's it's definitely something we always uh, dive down into, but perhaps not often enough, or perhaps not deep enough, I should say. Uh, before we get into it, though, I do want to uh, remind you that this episode of Beyond the Shadows is brought to you by A Haunted Road Roast. It helps young ghosts. <laughs> That's our coffee, which you can find out there on hauntedroadmedia.com. I also want to let everybody know, since I did mention the Shadow Dimension there a moment ago, that uh, there is a new website for the Shadow Dimension docuseries. Now, the docuseries is not out yet. Uh, that will be here in the next couple of months. The website is up there, of course, so you can find out information about the Shadow Dimension docu-series as well as, you know, get a couple of sneak peeks or some photographs out there, some stills from the production, as well as some links to the Connected Universe site, because really these things are uh, very, very much related. So uh, the Shadow Dimension docu-series is essentially a docu-series in which I'm specifically investigating shadow phenomena. Now, of course, I did mention earlier my book, A Walk in the Shadows, which is a complete guide to shadow people. Second edition just came out here last week. It's at the time of this recording is January 29th, which is my son Cameron's birthday. Uh, so happy birthday to him. Uh, 19 years old, one more year, and I no longer have any teenagers. Uh, but in any case, yeah, Walk in the Shadows, Complete Guide to Shadow People came out the 21st of January, uh, 2021, for those that may be listening to this in the future. And the Shadow Dimension docuseries is a deeper dive into the material that's in there and specifically going to locations to uh, research and investigate shadow phenomena there to see if we can find out what is really going on. And sure enough, we did find some uh, interesting activity, and I don't want to give too many things away. I did a little bit in the book, so if you want a sneak peek on that, grab the book. Um, so that is a big project I've been working on for, well, it's been a year in the making, really. I started putting things together after the book came out. Then COVID hit, which made things really dicey, uh, so it wasn't as broad of a scope as I had originally intended because I couldn't get out to other locations that I had originally wanted to. Uh, but now uh, I, I did get to a couple of locations and now uh, that is in post-production should be out here in a couple of months. But uh, the Connected Universe is basically an online portal. It's connecteduniverseportal.com. So shadowdimension.com, then connecteduniverseportal.com. Of course, you can find links to each of those back and forth between the two sites. Uh, the Connected Universe is where... Well, for one, the live stream show of Beyond the Shadows will start there uh, next week, February 4th, or I'm sorry, February 3rd, will be the first broadcast of that, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and there is, because that is a, that's a member site plus courses. So the member site gets you all the behind the scenes, uh, well, a lot of behind the scenes information, whether it's 
Uh, the Shadow Dimension docuseries, uh, things Haunted Road Media related. There's you know sneak peek videos. There's monthly Q and A videos uh, with with me specifically. Uh, of course, you get the Beyond the Shadows live stream show. There's a uh, there's a community group page where you can have discussions with with other people from the group. There's articles out there, so you get a lot of stuff out there uh, for it's, it's you know nine ninety nine a month. Uh, basically it's what we had out there at Patreon removed from there and now it, it's its own site. And there's none of all that crazy tier stuff, um, that, that Patreon did. It's just one flat fee. You get out there, you get all the, this great stuff, uh, from behind the scenes. And so that's where the Beyond the Shadows live stream, uh, show will be next week. Now the audio podcast will still go out to all the, uh, uh, podcast platforms like Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and then uh, Saturday nights at midnight on KGRA Radio, which is KGRADB.com, digital broadcasting is what it stands for. So without further ado, I kind of just spent five minutes going through all that, which I didn't want to, but it happened. (laughs) Uh, We do want to get into, uh, you know, what's going on with Egypt, shadows, afterlife. Basically, there's been a lot of news coming out of Egypt lately. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, archaeological digs. Uh, Zahi Huas is has been doing a lot out there. It's been in the news. Um, uh, in the circles that we run around, he's a controversial figure because he, you know, like he and Graham Hancock of Buttheads and, and stuff like that, you know, basically... Anything that flies in the face of um, conventional Egyptology, he really doesn't want anything to, to do with. So like the, uh, the age of the Sphinx, he, he doesn't want to go down that road. Um, you know, so he's, he's an academic that is standing his ground. But that said, He's still doing a lot of work out there to uncover some very interesting and significant artifacts. So uh, this latest bit of news, I posted this on my Facebook earlier in the week. A 13-foot-long Book of the Dead scroll was found in Saqqara belonging to Queen Neret, whose husband was the pharaoh Teti, who ruled about 2323 B.C. to 2291 B.C. And I will say about, like the articles just say ruled this time, and I will always put about because when it comes to ancient Egypt, uh, most of these dates are approximations. You know, they try to get very definitive with it because the, the Egyptians were very good at keeping their king's lists. Uh, you find these things all over the place. So uh, we're able to, you know, date uh, when a lot of these things happen to a degree for a variety of reasons. Uh, for one, there are some, you know, those, those intermediate uh, eras uh, in, uh, you know, between the kingdoms in which we really didn't know a whole lot of what happened during that time. There's a, there are some dark periods of Egyptian history in which we know very little about, and we don't quite know how long they lasted. So whenever we put any dating on uh, an ancient Egypt, there's always a bit of question as to when exactly it was and when exactly it happened, you know, because there are just these large gaps of time. Now, we have a better idea of, uh, 
kind of difficult to say, more modern Egyptian history, but, you know, like the the years that the, the Ptolemies ruled there, the, the Greek era, and, you know, we're talking, you know, when Alexander the Great, uh, you know, took power there and the Ptolemies were left in charge and, you know, all the way up through Cleopatra. We have a better idea of dating then, but prior to that, when you get, you know, like, uh, you know, Old Kingdom, Middle Kingdom, all of that, those dates are a little sketchy. So I'll, I always throw about on there. And that, just that bit of question, you know, should cause us to always question whenever we find these things in ancient Egypt, how old things are. Dating and, and age should always, should always be in our mind when it comes to this, which is why I find it really strange that, you know, when historians and Egyptologists, you know, want to get extremely definitive about a date and they're, you know, adamant about it, um, you know, the, um, you know they, they get really offended when you question it. It's like, well, well, yeah, because we don't know exactly for sure. So in any case, so this 13-foot-long this, uh, Book of the Dead scroll was found. Basically, it was, it was chapter 17. Now, when I posted this, this is, uh, it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty silly. Um, some of these reactions that you get and things that people post, but... Um, you know, people saying that, well, don't read from it. You know, we know, we know what will happen. You know, I saw the movie. Really? You, you saw the movie? Or, um, you know, oh, Lord, no, not, not in, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, because of everything going on with, with COVID and, you know, the world going to hell in a handbasket the way it has been for almost a year now. It's like, well, you guys don't really know what the Book of the Dead is, do you? You know, it's 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 not, you know, the big black book um, that they showed in the movie, the the Mummy from the the mid to late '90s. It's it's not, it's not like that. You know, it, um, it's not a book for one. You know, we we call it a book. It's a scroll, or basically like a series of scrolls. I mean, you're talking uh, 13 feet long for one chapter of this. So. Uh, scroll, you know, you have a chapter in the scroll, you have many scrolls, you have a book. So, but it's not, I don't even know what that was made. Was that supposed to be uh, black stone, um, obsidian or something? I I don't even remember, or I I don't think they ever said. It was just this big, black, archaic-looking book that had that cool lock on it. There was recently an auction in which they, uh, last year, a couple months ago, where they actually auctioned that thing off if you had several thousand dollars. Uh, it's just a movie prop, but it's a very cool movie prop. And I'll give, you know, I'll give them kudos for that. They made it look cool. But um, one of the disservices of our uh, cinema is that, you know, artistic license w- within Hollywood and you see some of these, you know, crazy things that they create and people not knowing better, I mean, they should know better. It's not going to look like a book like that, but people not knowing better start thinking that, you know, this is, you know, this is real. This is true. This is the way it was. And that the book of the dead was some sort of spell book to, uh, you know, bring mummies to life or, you know, cast curses or, or something like that. And that just absolutely was not the case. So you know, what the, uh, what the Book of the Dead was, uh, many chapters, and it's beautiful. You know, you look, you look at some of the the, the artwork. Um, you, know, you you look at the scrolls. 
you know, you look at the, uh, the ideograms, you look at the hieroglyphs, uh, they are, they're very beautiful. And the Book of the Dead is actually uh, the book of going forth by day. We've, we've got this uh, nomenclature where we're calling it the Book of the Dead. and gives it a more mysterious, ominous type of, uh, type of feel. It's also a shorter term, but basically it's a, it's a guide to the afterlife for, uh, for ancient Egyptians. So, uh, you know, they would, they would write these in scrolls. You'd, you'd find these, uh, you know, some of these things written on, at least in some of the more modern kingdoms, more, more recent kingdoms, you'd see it, um, you know, on, on coffins. Uh, so, you know, you had the, you know, Basically, you'd have like the pyramid text, you know, so you, uh, you'd have the carvings, the hieroglyphs on the walls. Uh, people would see that like di during the intermediary periods where all hell broke loose and they were breaking into the pyramids, stealing everything. They would see these things in the walls and be like, oh, hey, we didn't even know about this because the commoners, the commoners weren't allowed to see this stuff back then. It was, you know, royalty and, and their entourage and all that, and they would see it. So the commoners later on break in. They see these things. Oh, wow. So, you know, these are... are, are blessings and uh you know help the soul onto the afterlife we'll start putting these on ours so then they started doing it on you know their coffins and things like that so you start you know seeing these things proliferate down through the ages um so and then you know you had these these scrolls uh as well with with these different guides into the afterlife so chapter 17 is they they call it like a uh like a, a q a cheat sheet for navigating the afterlife um, which, you know, I, what I always find funny about, um, you know, some of these translations when we get into this, uh, that a lot of the translations, they throw into some sort of like archaic or even sometimes old English, like almost like you're reading out of the King James Bible, King James Bible or something like that. And it's like, you know, the... I'm pretty sure the ancient Egyptians didn't talk like the King James Bible, you know, or uh, or even some of our archaic terminology from, you know, maybe a hundred years ago. So I, I'd like to see some of these translations brought a bit more up to date. But um, you know, we have a pretty good idea of you know what they said and what they were trying to mean. Uh, of course, some of those scholars do from time to time. You know, get into some little disagreements as far as what some of these different interpretations actually were. And what is kind of interesting is when you talk to uh, you know, people over there in Egypt right now, you actually talk to Egyptians who are living there with the history, and they will tell you, well, yeah, the scholars say this is the interpretation, but that's not the interpretation to us. This is the way we have interpreted it for millennia, and they come along and say, no, it's this. And even it might be a little bit off, that, that, that little bit off could be quite significant. In any case, I did want to read a little bit here uh, from chapter 17 of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Uh, I actually have a copy of it. It's, a, uh, it's actually a really beautiful book. Um, who is this published by? If you can ever, if you can... Uh, grab a copy of it. I would highly recommend it because uh, the, the artwork in here, is, I mean, it's, it's colored. Or some of these pages, because uh, some of these chapters are so long, 
you know, the, the pages fold out and it's just beautiful. Uh, Chronicle Books, San Francisco. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, recommend grabbing this if you have a chance. In any case, uh, here we go. So this is in the middle of the, the chapter. Um, you have these bob birds and uh, binyu birds and all kinds of very cool things here uh, within the artwork. So who is he? He is Osiris. Otherwise said, his name is Ray. His name is Praise of Ray. He is the soul of Ray, with whom he himself copulated. I am that great binyu bird, which is in Heliopolis, the supervisor of what exists. Who is he? He is Osiris. And for what exists, that means his injury. Otherwise said, that means his corpse. Otherwise said, it means eternity and everlasting. As for eternity, it means daytime. As for everlasting, it means night. I am men in his going forth. I have set the plumes on my head. What does it mean? As for men, he is Horus, who protected his father. As for his going forth, it means his birth. As for his plumes on his head, it means that Isis and Nephthys went and put themselves on his head when they were the two kites, and they were firm on his head. Otherwise said, they are the two great and mighty Uri who are on the brow of his father Atom. So, yeah, just, just a brief bit there. You know, otherwise said, the plumes on his head are his eyes. When I was in my land, I came into my city. Why is it? It is the horizon of my father. Or what is it? It is the horizon of my father. Uh, so, you know, it's really just kind of setting up uh, the afterlife. So, uh, you know, kind of explaining, you know, you know Osiris, kind of explaining the, the cycle, uh, daytime, nighttime, birth, death, all of that, you know, the idea that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a type of resurrection. You're, you're going on into uh, the afterlife. You're being, you know, born into uh, that world. So you've died here, but you're actually being, uh, you know, or you've died here on earth, but you're being born again into the afterlife. And of course, everything that they, uh, you know, put in the tombs are supposed to be things to, you know, carry on into that afterlife, things that you would need. And, the uh, the book of the dead was uh your your guide you know this is what you needed you know you needed to learn this you need these directions to uh take that path take that journey into the afterlife because if, if you didn't have these directions you might get lost on the way so uh the scrolls were there that you know as you're uh, moving on into the afterlife uh, if you get lost you can you know, refer to the scrolls and, and find your way so, um, you know, very, very rich uh, traditions here. Uh, things that were also found there, uh, this is all going on at Saqqara. There's been a lot going on there uh, in, in recent years. And I don't know how many people saw the, the Netflix documentary that just came out, was it December? Uh, it's pretty recent. And that was a, you know, set of tombs uh, near Saqqara, it wasn't, it wasn't right there, you know, at, at the, at the pyramid or the complex, it was, um, little ways away, I think it was like maybe less than a mile or only a mile away or something like that, but a whole other set of, uh, tombs that they had discovered, and, and this one was specifically about the tomb of Wati, and, um, you know, learning more about who he may have been, uh, his family, uh, what, some of the different uh, uh, 
with some of the different artwork and hieroglyphs meant in his tomb, and then, of course, uh, discovering the burial shafts and you know, discovering, uh, of course, the bodies that are, are buried there. And they, they discovered all kinds of interesting things around that area. Um, you know, of course, there were a lot of uh, animal mummies, you know, not just the human mummies, which they found a lot of. They found a lot of the coffins, uh, which were very beautiful. A lot of cat mummies, <laughs> um, and they they had found a um, the mummy of a lion cub, which was uh, very very different. Um, that was something that had not been discovered before. Was you know, usually cats, dogs, like the family pets. Sometimes you, you might be you know buried with your pet. Um, you know some of these uh, were. You know, with the with the uh, animus, animal sacrifices, you know, to you know, like Bastet, uh, the goddess Bastet, you know, you'd see like these mass sacrifices in all of these animal mummies piled up, but the uh, you know the lion cub was you know pretty significant, and they would always have like one specific cat that was you know like the representative. Um, you know, of the of the goddess at that time, and you know that was that was the one that was revered. He got the special treatment, all of that, and they ended up finding this lion cub. So you know, was that the one for that period of time? Uh, very interesting stuff. Very very interesting beliefs. Um, and so other things found down there, uh, along with the mummies, uh, statues, board games. So they're discovering a lot of these these ancient artifacts uh, around Saqqara. It's been getting a lot, a lot of attention lately. Um, you know, not really anything out of the ordinary there as far as you know finding you know statues and items. The board games they, the Egyptians love their their bone uh, board games. Um, you know, with the you know little pieces and bone dice and uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. Um, so now here on Beyond the Shadows, Honda Road Media, Edge of the Rabbit Hole, you know, we've talked about the Egyptians' ideas of, of shadow people, you know, since we're talking about Egyptian afterlife here. Uh, you know, they, they had the idea of the soul having seven different parts. And many of those went on, you know, into the afterlife, onto Orion, the constellation of Orion, which is where they believe, you know, your soul went after you were done here. However, it wasn't every single part of the soul uh, that went on. Uh, the animating part of your soul stayed here, the Ka. The other part, which was the shadow, was the K-bit. Those parts stayed here on Earth. So... This is really like the Egyptian idea of shadow people. There's a really interesting um, painting in the tomb of uh, Arinifer. And I've shown this on uh, the History of Shadow People video, which came out last August on the Hunter Road Media YouTube channel. Uh, you're going to see it again in uh, the Shadow Dimension docu-series, and I also, uh, did I include that in the Shadow Dimension book? No, I, I did not include it in the Shadow Dimension book, but you're going to see it again in the Shadow Dimension docu-series. 
I, I had to think there for a second. Did I include it in the second edition? <laughs> it's 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 funny now. I have to think. Okay, was that first or second edition? There's only a year between the two books, so it's it's maybe confusing me a little bit. I don't know. Uh, plus, I've I've worked on so many different projects now involving all of this material. I have to think of okay, you know, did I include this here? Did I include that there? You know, like I had the um, unveiling the shadows. Uh, what was that? It was a workshop back in October, and I included a lot of this stuff within that as well. So between that, the docu-series, the, the books, all the videos that you know, I have out, it's, <laughs> it starts to all kind of uh, uh, you know, mesh together at some point. Um, but in any case, um, you know, fantastic uh, artwork of that in this tomb, of showing the shadow there uh, outside the tomb with, with the bobbird. Uh, flying off. So, you know, the, the bobber is going off to the constellation of Orion while the, the shadow, the cabot, the animating uh, force of the person is staying here on Earth. Makes you wonder, though, if, if, the, if the artwork is depicting it in front of the tomb, are they saying that that, that soul is going to stay there at the tomb? It's, um, it's kind, of, it's kind of like that old idea, the old thought of uh, you know, ghosts hanging around in cemeteries around their body. And you know, we always kind of question that these days as, why would somebody's ghost or spirit hang around their body at a cemetery? You know, why would they just stick with the body? Wouldn't they you know, go off somewhere? Um, and, and, and they do. So, but this kind of goes back to the idea of uh, many of these shadow people that we encounter and interact with are actually human spirits. Uh, you know, of course, there are many, many different types of shadow people, you know, humanoid figures, the hat man, uh, hooded figures, mists, wisps, oh, there's the old hag, the crawler, a lot of these different types of shadows. And there are a lot, they are a lot of different things. Many of them are human spirits, Many of them, what I believe is a quote-unquote true shadow person is an interdimensional being. It is coming to our plane of existence from some other dimension. Uh, you know, a, a human spirit who can't fully manifest is a, yes, it's, it's in a shadow form, but it's a human spirit. It is not a shadow spirit, a shadow person. It is a human person, a human spirit, and it just can't fully manifest as an apparition at that point. So sometimes it just comes off as, as a shadow. Um, you know, sometimes it might be, you know, like a shimmer, or you might catch a glimpse of a little bit of something, and, and that was it. So, um, you know, human spirits are, are different, but they may come off as a shadow. Some of them may be extraterrestrials. You know, they, they may be... Um, traversing here from everybody wants to immediately think of the flying saucers and a physical uh, you know, creature coming down and that may very well be the case um, and, and when they come off as a shadow it may be some sort of cloaking device that they're trying to uh, to use while they're here and it just that cloaking device comes off as, as a shadow because they don't quite maybe understand the physiology of our eyes but some of these may be uh, traveling 
you know, across the cosmos interdimensionally, um, you know, some other, you know, form of, because there's a lot of speculation, a lot of ideas that the, you know, ETs would know how to, uh, you know, bend space and time and be able to travel here from other parts of the universe quite easily and quite readily. And even though we don't yet, they do, you know, so is, is this what we're seeing here? Is, is there interdimensional travel, which in a sense almost makes him like an interdimensional being, right? Um, but a little bit of a different slant on that. Uh, kind of the same idea with, with time travelers or some of these, you know, time travelers that, you know, again, almost the same idea. You know, if they, if it's a physical time traveler, um, you know, are they, are they trying to mask themselves from being seen because they just want to watch and observe? Maybe they're coming back in time from someplace in the future and they just want to watch how things happen and the the way that they cloak themselves just comes off as a shadow that could be or is it more of like a, a time slip where you know it's it's another point in time at that location and they're seeing you while you're seeing them and it's at times time slips are really almost accidental you don't know why they happen you don't know what kicked it off, what spawned it, but all of a sudden, boom, you have two moments in time playing out at the same moment and people are seeing each other. And sometimes uh, that may come off as a shadow. So really interesting ideas and, and concepts here. And, you know, it makes me think back to my first shadow experience was when I was about eight years old. And many people that have been, you know, tuning in and listening to me for years and watching my videos for a long, long time are familiar with the story of when I woke up in the middle of the night when I was about eight years old and there's a shadow person standing in the corner of my room. Of course, I had no idea that's what it was at the time that you called it a shadow person. I just thought there was an intruder in my room and it was about to kill me. And, you know, of course it didn't because I'm still alive. Uh, it actually approached me. Uh, came right up to my bed, right next to me, leaned over the bed, and, and you know, couldn't see anything, no face, no eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. It was just all black. Grabbed me by the wrists, crossed my arms across my body, and then ran off down the hall. And for years and years and years, I had no idea why it did this. But some years ago now, a couple of people, like within a year of each other, and they didn't know each other from, from anything, um, it was you know, really on two separate occasions when I was doing uh, radio shows, you know, I was, I was being interviewed. And uh, the interviewers, while I'm telling the story, suggested, well, maybe they thought you were dead. Maybe they thought you were putting, they were putting you in a, into a burial pose. And it was like, whoa, that's, that's interesting. You know, why, why would that be? Um, you know, the one woman, Tracy Lockwood, uh, had suggested the imagery that she used, because she's a, she's a psychic medium, she was trying to tune into uh, that moment of my life when that happened. And she said, the image that I'm getting is, you know, like in, in ancient Egypt, when, you know, they would you know, cross, uh, cross the arms across the body at burial. And then she started kind of describing the sarcophagi with the, with the crook and flail. She didn't use the terms crook and flail during the interview, uh, but I knew what she was talking about. And that, that's what it was. And so in my book, A Walk in the Shadows, uh, I, I talk about the crook and flail, and you know, I have a photo there of a sarcophagus with, with that depiction. And so, okay, 
that's that's interesting. You know, so what if, you know, and I had to think back to this. Okay, so what if, you know, this was, you know, somebody that for whatever crazy reason thought that I was dead and was putting me into that pose. Okay, for one, they're not trying to harm me at that point because a, a lot of people telling that story are thinking, okay, the thing is trying to harm you. And yeah, when I was a kid, when I was being that young, I thought the thing was trying to hurt me because I didn't know from anything else. You know, here's an intruder. It's touching me. It's doing something weird to me by crossing my arms across my body. Um, so my mind automatically goes to it's, it's trying to do some sort of harm to me. But if it wasn't and it was trying to put me into a burial pose like that, okay, now it's actually trying to honor me. But let's take it a step further. Let's go down the route of ancient Egypt. If it's putting me into that pose, that pose like with the crook and flail, what if, what if this shadow person was actually from ancient Egypt? What if it had jumped into some sort of portal or whatever and had emerged into my, into my time, into my timeline, my plane of existence or, or whatever, um, and, and saw me laying there? Now, I don't know why I would have thought I was dead. Right, and that's the, that's the first thing. Why why would it think that I was dead? Uh, because I'm just a kid laying there, right? Well, and I I have taken a step back on on this um, even more so. And this is this part here isn't even actually in a walk in the shadows. This is kind of more recent thinking on my part. Why would it think I was dead if I'm just laying there? Okay, so put myself in the corner of the bedroom in the shadow person's position, and I'm from ancient Egypt. I'll just say that. I'm the shadow person. I'm from ancient Egypt. What am I seeing when I'm in that room? Well, I'm seeing I'm seeing a, a bed with a bedspread. There's a kid laying in it. There's furniture, you know, the my dresser, and um, I had a desk in there, and, you know, there's toys, right? So and, and what are the toys? Well, we're talking like, there's Star Wars toys, you know, there's cars and, um, you know, all kinds of things, anything that a, a kid from the early 80s w would have, right? Um, you know, which would be, you got to think about it, this is foreign to, um, to, to this shadow entity if it's from ancient Egypt. You know, there are a lamp on my dresser, so it might sort of recognize, okay, you know, that might be a lamp just because it was, you know, kind of similar design, I suppose, but the toys would kind of be foreign to it. It would recognize, okay, that's a dresser, that's a piece of furniture, very different than what was from ancient Egypt. It might even think of it as something more ornate, more elaborate. You know, I have posters on the wall. Um, the, the way my bedroom was, I had a half wall of paneling from the floor up to about halfway on the wall was paneling, and then above that was blue striped wallpaper. So, you know, is it seeing my room when it comes into there? And, and okay, I have posters on the walls, right? So, you know, you're talking like football posters and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, is it seeing all of this stuff in my room as this is a tomb? This is a tomb. Here, here's this body laying laying out, okay, I'm not in a sarcophagus, but it's laying out. Here's the 
what it would consider ornate furniture, um, things within the room that would be like, uh, you know, offerings and things that I would take with myself onto the afterlife. It's not hieroglyphs, um, and, but it's got like, you know, we have these pictures on the walls you know, with the posters. Um, you know, the, the paneling, you think about the paneling in the striped wallpaper, if you look at the way that, that they set out, um, you know, the, the vertical hieroglyphs, they would have those lines in between there. So, um, you know, and, and just looking, I'm looking right now at chapter 17 of the Book of the Dead, and these have, you know, basically the, uh, the, the pictures at the top uh, for, for this particular panel, and then the hieroglyphs are in those columns, you know, those vertical columns. And so is it seen the way that my bedroom is designed as a tomb? What else is it going to relate to? You know, if it's just, you know, if, if it's a commoner's household, it's not going to have those things in it. Um, you know, perhaps a, an Egyptian palace um, would have some of those items in there, but um, I don't think my bedroom was big enough to be considered a palace. So it's a, it's a smaller, it's a smaller room. Um, so what are we in? You know, with a body laying out like that, it may have thought that it had emerged into a tomb. And at that point, you had the whole crossing of my arms. You know, you know, perhaps, oh my gosh, I ended up in a tomb. The arms are not crossed across this this body. You know, I again, maybe trying to honor me, maybe looking at this scene like, well, the, the job is not completed here in the tomb. You know, let me take care of this. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe as it's doing that, and my mouth opens up and I'm trying to scream and I get wide-eyed, maybe it realized, oh, my God, um, this, this body's still alive. And maybe that's why it ran off down the hall. Maybe, you know, maybe I scared it. You know, it's, it's a very uh, different concept to, to think of that, you know, I may have scared this shadow person uh, unknowingly because I was scared myself. But, you know, I talk about at other times when I have scared shadow people walking into the kitchen at, at Johnny V's restaurant and all of a sudden the shadow goes darting across the, the room. And it was like I scared it, that I had scared this, this very wispy, translucent shadow entity. So... You know, perhaps that what that is what happened there in my room that uh, that it thought that I was that was laid out in an Egyptian tomb and the job hadn't been done yet and it was trying to take care of that and then all of a sudden boom it realized that I was alive and it took off running it ran off into a closet you know um, so I'm not sure I'm not sure about that part but let's back it up a little bit even further so how did it how did it get there? You know, if it's if it's coming from another uh, point in time, which would be ancient Egypt, how did it get there to begin with? Well, I talk a lot about uh, you know the ancients knowing how to harness the power of uh, these ancient sites. Like when we talk about when we talk about the pyramids at Giza, when we talk about places like Stonehenge. 
uh, in all these amazing uh, megalithic sites, uh, these these ancient stone circles, you know, in in locations like this, Karnak, um, you know, the Royal Wright stones, you know, all these amazing locations around the globe that they seem to know how to harness the the power that was there. You know, Teotihuacan, uh, they they knew that there were these magnetic forces within the earth. Uh, you know, these days we've been calling them ley lines, which is really an incorrect term, but basically they are the telluric currents uh, through, through the earth. You know, people do refer to it as the, the earth's energy grid, grid, which yes, that's correct. Um, but these telluric currents are actually carrying that energy through the earth across the grid, the lay, when we talk about ley lines, basically the ley lines are just, um, th this is the geodetic uh, marker. So as the ancients tapped into this energy with their different shrines, temples, buildings, etc., they basically ended up creating a line across the landscape and people coming across later looked at that and said, oh, hey, all of these things line up. That's the lay. They're geographic markers that all line up. But what they're tapping into are the uh, telluric currents within the earth. And so they, they knew how, how to tap into these things and harness it. And when we, when we talk about when those telluric currents cross, um, these days we've been referring them to them as nodes. Um, or some people will just say, well, yeah, the, the ley line crossings, it's, you know, this place is at a ley line crossing. Okay. Because, we, I mean, it's just all semantics and terminology and all that. It, basically what it is, it's a, a conductivity discontinuity, which is really wordy. <laughs> so it's a lot of syllables, right? So we'll just call it a node. But the ancients knew where these nodes were because that's where the energy really started to ramp up was at these locations where you had these telluric currents cross, you know, the pyramids at Giza, the Great Pyramid, boom. It's right on top of one of those crossings. And so with the ancients knowing how to tap into that power and knowing how to enter into altered states of consciousness, you know, this is how they were able to, I mean, they could use it for healing. They could use it for uh, you know, traveling the universe. I, I believe the ancients truly knew how to be able to do this, that you know, they had other beings you know, come forth, show them how to do this, how to set this up, how to tap into this energy, and then they started using it them, themselves. And we've we've lost this knowledge, and um, you know we've started to gain some of this back. The scientific community likes to scoff at a lot of this, even though you know they'll go to these sites and they will find the measurable electromagnetic activity. That you know it's it is it is seriously legitimately there and. You know, you had you know, some more contemporary people try to harness that, like Nikola Tesla. Um, you look at his you know, great tower that he was, he was trying to, to build, and what was he doing? He was tapping deep into the ground uh, to make that happen, to harness the Earth's energy. And so this is, this is knowledge that, that we have known as a uh, human species for a long, long time, and we lost it there uh, a long time ago. So, you know, those, those ancients, knowing how to use that, uh, you could talk about uh, utilizing a, a portal into another dimension, 
um, showed up in my, my house in, in Massachusetts uh, when I was eight years old in the early 80s. Okay, um, we talk about Stargates. Okay, that would be basically opening a, a wormhole or a portal or what have you to another place in the universe, whether that's across the solar system to another galaxy. We could even be talking about uh, other universes. You know, there is uh, certainly evidence that there are other universes out there. How many? Um, you know, people like to talk about there being an infinite number of of alternate universes. And personally, I haven't been quite ready to go there yet. Um, even though I have some very good friends that certainly uh, have gone there, uh, I've I've at least um, come to grips with one <laughs> since we do have studies. Um, like from the Anita Project down in Antarctica, where their studies have uh, have found that there is likely a parallel universe to ours running in reverse. And so this is something that I'm going to be getting into in the Shadow Dimension book, um, which is probably a good year off. Uh, right now, with all these other projects that I'm working on, like you know the Shadow Dimension docu-series and you know, all these sites that I've put out here lately, The Connected Universe. Um, the book that I'm in the middle of writing is uh, on the Alaska Triangle, which gets into uh, a lot of this material uh, about portals and interdimensional travel and, uh, and what have you. Uh, so the, the shadow dimension is going to get into uh, this idea of alternate universes, parallel universes, you know, this one running in reverse, what does that look like? Um, because I have some I have some pertinent ideas how to as to how that functions and how uh, you know how the universe works. I mean I I do I personally do believe Big Bang, Big Crunch. So basically what ends up happening, you know, people ask what was before the Big Bang? Well, the universe was. You know, it, it was there. And, you know, you're talking, you know, I mean, how many, you know, trillions of years before this actually happens where, you know, there was a universe previous to ours and it ended. You could call it a big crunch or however, whatever it was that happened to, for it to end. Because, um, you know, we talk about an expand. I mean, basically the idea is, you know, the earth expands, or not the earth, but the universe expands, and then there's this massive contraction at the end and basically implodes on itself, and then boom, you have another big bang, and the whole thing happens again. Um, you know, as, as far as the process of, you know, the actual, you know, extreme details of how that happens, I'm not, I'm not, going there this at least for this discussion today but just the idea that this is a universe that keeps going around and around and around over and over and over it is a it's a cycle uh you know it's an oscillatory people will call it the oscillatory universe and there are a lot of detractors to the theory but um as we get deeper into this it makes so much more sense to me that um, that this has continued to happen. You know, it is a repeating cycle. We see cycles, we see cycles in our life all the time, you know, from, from the weather. 
You know, we see cycles in our weather. We see cycles in our lives, you know, when it comes to, you know, human nature. You know, we see the same things happening again and again and again. It's just you know, a different generation and different means of doing it, but it happens again and again and again. Uh, you know, same thing with, you know, the way, uh, you know, the stars work and, um, you know, the way solar systems work. We see, we see these cycles play out. Uh, you know, when it comes to our solar system, you know, this is likely not our first go around just with this solar system that, you know, the, the earth is only uh, four and a half billion years old and the uh, universe from what we've been able to tell so far is, you know, almost 14 uh, billion years old. So what, what's going on in the other, uh, nine billion years, right? So, you know, there's other things that happened there. That, that's why, you know, the idea of, you know, extraterrestrial life, it's like, well, you know, come on. The whole, the whole rest of the universe has had a big head start on us. We're actually a younger, uh, we're a younger planet here. But in any case, there's been enough time for, um, for another star to have been with another solar system, go through the whole cycle of birth of a star, death of a star, uh, you know, solar system exploding, all of that stuff to creating another star in a solar system and all that afterward. The, we've had enough time to do that um, a couple of times, really. So this is likely not our first go around as a solar system that we were probably spawned out of another one. So it's all, all of these cycles. Um, and the ancients knew this. You know, they, they've been leaving us information. They've been leaving us clues uh, for, for thousands of years. And it's just a matter of looking at it and trying to find it. And unfortunately, there are uh, many factions out there that are also trying to hide some of this information, that they're, you know, they're afraid of you know, releasing some of this information to us in other ones that are trying to hold on to the information or hold on to some of these artifacts because they believe it gives them power. That by uh, holding on to, you know, whether it's an ancient stone tablet or um, some sort of ancient uh, uh, technological artifact, that they're hanging on to it because they believe it gives them power and makes them a more powerful person. In some ways it does because, you know, they at least have the power of that knowledge that it exists. Um, so they, they in, just in that, have a little bit of, of a better understanding of the origins of our planet. Um, so there's a lot of reasons as to why some of this information is being withheld, even, even to, you know, the pettiness of, well, you know, 20 years ago, you know, I wrote this book that said this is the way things, you know, are, you know, I made this discovery and, and wrote this book and my name is on this paper and they named whatever the heck after me because of this. And 20 years later, we find out new information. Well, I'm just going to slide that under the rug over here because um, that discredits everything I did 20 years ago. Without actually considering the, the fact of that, well, you're making another discovery you know, or downplaying somebody else's, you know, discovery of new information when it's like, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we just take, you know, the stuff that you discovered 
20, 25, 30 years ago, whatever it was, and put it into the context of the new information that we've come across. You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really discredit, you know, what you discovered before. It just sheds new light on it. Um, and, you know, let this person over here would, with whatever they found or whatever they discovered, let, let them shine over there, and then you can come back and say, hey, that's pretty cool, that's pretty interesting. This is how I think my information in my discovery can be reinterpreted by what you discovered. Guess what, dude? You have a whole nother, you have a whole nother book, you have a whole nother paper, you have a whole nother series that you can do based on that. And you can always refer back to your older work and say, well, yeah, this is what I, um, you know, this is what I did back then. If you want to go and you want to, you know, reference that for, you know, historical purposes, but hey, now I've got this, this newer work, jump on that, you know, which is based on this other discovery over here. So there's always ways to play it, but people let pride get in the way, which is a real shame um, because, you know, it's already hard enough uh, when, we, when we get into these uh, you know, ancient civilizations, it's already hard enough to try to piece the clues together because we have so little. We just have, you know, it's like the tip of the iceberg you know, with, the, with the artifacts and, and what's actually left to us to try to piece everything together of what happened and who these people were. Then when you start to hide stuff, it makes it just that much more difficult so what do we really know? And, you know, even back then they were, you know, they themselves were hiding things. And we, we, I mentioned earlier about, you know, the king's lists and, you know, those dark periods and, you know, how, you know, that kind of made all the, the timing iffy. Well, yeah, there's that. But, you know, even back then, you know, if they didn't like a, a pharaoh or a couple of pharaohs, you know, they were they were writing them out of history. They were chiseling them, you know, out of the lists or just, you know, they'd make a new list and not include them in it. So, you know, a lot of these like King's lists are incomplete. And, um, like we know for, we, we know for a fact, um, Tutankhamun, uh, is, is not included on a lot of these lists along with his father, Akhenaten. And then the one that succeeded, uh, Tutankhamun, uh, I, uh, who was was not a descendant of Tutankhamun. His, his children didn't survive. So basically, uh, I was the vizier for several for several pharaohs. And finally, uh, there was just this huge power vacuum. Um, Tutankhamun's successor, they, the guy that he had named as a successor, was out in Syria fighting war. So I just kind of took power. And so, uh, so those three uh, in a lot of these lists are just written out. Um, you know, with, with Akhenaten, you find that a lot of um, what he had created and what he had put together, because he he tried to instill monotheism um, and, and got away from, you know, all the old gods that um, when he died, you know, they basically tried to erase him. So a lot of a lot of what he had put together, a lot of his imagery and all that was destroyed, hidden. They were finding bits of it in other temple structures. You know, they, they went to try to restore these places and discover, wait a second, this column is filled with other, you know, bits of stone and there's hieroglyphs on it. And then, boom, they, they find out that this other pharaoh existed. So, you know, do we really think that's the only time that's going to happen? That that's the only pharaoh that happened to? No. 
uh, we're going to, as we continue to discover, we're going to find that more of this happened throughout the years, that there were, you know, there were uh, pharaohs and kings and, and people that they really did right out of history, and we're going to have to start inserting others into those timelines, which changes the timeline. So we always have to be open to, uh, to, to new ideas and new discoveries. And yeah, I mean, we're going to find out that the, the way we think of history is always going to be reshaped as we uh, discover new information. And the same thing goes with um, what we're talking about here when we get into portals and shadow people and, and all of that. Um, I always say that I reserve the right to change my mind. And as I have, you know, continued to research here, I've, I've left that room and, you know, there is new information. That's why I came out with a second edition. There, there was more information to share, other things that were kind of discovered along the way, other people that I talked to, um, you know, things from the, the Shadow Dimension docuseries uh, are included in there. Um, there's more in there about time shifts and interdimensional phasing and, and all kinds of interesting ideas and topics that uh, we'll continue to dive into, uh, especially as we get more and more into the connected universe. So you're going to find a lot of that information out there too, uh, shadowdimension.com and connecteduniverse.com uh, or it's connecteduniverseportal.com. You're going to want to uh, check that stuff out. So that is what I have for you for this evening, Shadows in Egypt. I think that's what I'm calling the podcast. I still have to title this thing <laughs> once, I, um, once I get it uploaded. So, all right, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. Again, uh, check us out, uh, Beyond the Shadows. You can find the live stream version of this will be coming February 3rd. Uh, check out the Connected Universe portal.com for more information on that, or you can go to Connected Universe Portal on Facebook. I'll include the information there as well. To actually get to the live stream, though, you will have to be a member of the Connected Universe to, uh, to have access to that. So, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I'm Mike Ricksecker. Until next time.